0: Chapter 8, The Razor's Edge. Hello and welcome again to this chapter-by-chapter review of the Born Rich Book by Bob Proctor. Razor's Edge, this chapter, is really about that, I'd call it tiny or marginal thing, that makes all of the difference in your results. Gives a couple of examples in his book, at least, that stand out to me. And the first one is about racing horses um, that win championships or even athletes that run to get the gold medal. And that very often what separates the first, the person who gets the gold medal, from the last person in the race who doesn't even get a, a medal at all, but gets a mentioning, sometimes is a fraction of a second And if you pause and think about that, really, and even just look around you, look at the results that people experience or the results that people produce in various endeavors of life, you'll find out that what often separates the excellent, phenomenal person from the rest of the pack, if you really got down to it, very often seems on the face of it like a really, really tiny, minuscule thing. And this is what The Razor's Edge is really about. The first time you hear that, you may be thinking, well, if the difference is tiny, what hope has anybody else got of always being number one, of always being excellent, or of always achieving what it is that they want? Because let's face it, I mean, in all the races that you see at sporting events, like the Olympics, for instance, for every one winner, you probably have tens, potentially a hundred other people that didn't quite get there. And this might be people who started training but didn't make it to qualifying, people who had the dreams but never actually made it to practicing or even rehearsing, then you have those who made it to rehearsals but didn't qualify. You had those who qualified and didn't win the race. At every single stage, you'd find many more people that didn't get to that number one position than you would find the person that got to the number one position. And what that may make some people think, and in fact, it does make some people think this way, is perhaps wonder, well, why bother? Why bother, in quote, climbing to the top? And this is why I think the razor's edge is so key. Because the thing that I take away from it is that the razor's edge exists for every single person. And this is the mistake that I think sometimes, you know, many people make, I myself have certainly made this mistake, is to think that somebody else's razor's edge needs to be yours. To think that we're all going for the same prize and that there is just one of it just puts you into this mentality that there isn't enough to go around. And depending on what stage you're at, you may not even bother. You may not even get started in the first place. So what this chapter really does is to, I guess, really encourage you to realize and to accept that we all have our individual razor's edge. And the razor's edge is that thing really that sets you apart, that thing that makes you stand out from the crowd, that thing that you're uniquely gifted to perform and to do, that when you find it makes all of the difference. And I guess also the realization that it's not necessarily a massive big thing. And like I say, there are examples in the book that I'll encourage you to go and read that you'll be fascinated and intrigued by to realize that the difference between the people who, as far as the world and the outside was concerned, were really successful versus those that weren't. The difference between those two, sometimes it it felt like you couldn't even see it. I mean in one of the examples that bob highlights he talks about actors and doubles in some of these movies right and he says that the difference in salary between the main actor and their stand-in was staggering i mean you're talking multiples intense you know um and that very often sometimes in fact in all cases this doubles were selected because they, in every other respect, they were exactly like the person, the main actor, that they were standing in as a double for. So sometimes you'd even find they went to the same high school, grew up in the same neighborhood, had the similar life experiences. Um, Physically, they looked pretty much alike, so that you couldn't tell when you were watching the film if a stand-in was filming that part in place of the main actor. There were all these similarities and all these many levels that you could look at. But then you came to, well, how much do they get paid at the end of the day? And the difference could be <laughs> over a hundred thousand dollars versus six thousand dollars, you know, between the two. And so the encouragement for this, from this chapter, for me, is to realize that you, and I mean yes, you listening, have got your own razor's edge, and that the key to really taking the lid off and experiencing this fact that Bob is telling us over and over again that you were born rich, a part of that is also in realizing what your razor's edge is, in seeking it, finding it, honing it, and developing it. He says something that I'm going to read out for you on page 155, and this is in chapter 8 says the something that you must do to become more successful may not be what you think it is, but whatever it may be, rest assured you are quite capable of doing it. Always bear in mind, however, that because each person's world is just a little bit different, the something which you must do is not necessarily the same thing the person you live with or work with must do. Nevertheless, there is no question that you will eventually find out what it is that you must do. So make up your mind immediately. When you do figure out what that razor's edge is for you, you will do it. I think now is a fitting time to just pause and look at the concepts and the ideas that we've been talking about and exposing our mind to over the last few chapters. It's this promise that you were born rich. This idea that you came into this planet, into this world, into this existence, fully equipped with all of the things that you need. And we've talked about a number of all those things, of all these gifts that you have that are not dependent on circumstance, um, not dependent on any external condition, not dependent on the family that you were born in, the color of your skin, the texture of your hair, your gender, what country you live in or don't live in. None of those things that you were given this gift that nothing outside of you could ever take from you. And you were given gifts that only you were fully in control of expressing. And Bob now says to us, you also have a razor's edge. You have something that is so unique to you that sets you apart from everybody else. And that very often the clue does not appear to be what it might be for somebody else who is in your household or in your community or in your environment, but that it exists nevertheless. And that your job really is to figure out what that is. And once you do, to do whatever your razor's edge is, because that is what is going to set you apart from everyone else. I find that really encouraging. I find it encouraging because it aligns so much with the laws of the universe and these laws of life, one of which we're here really to create and not to compete that everybody can have enough everybody can be and do to their highest capacity and not get anything from or diminish anyone else i think that is a beautiful thing to know that there is something so unique and special to you that you can seek and you can explore and you can express fully and you're expressing that, you're pursuing that, in no way diminishes from the gifts or the talents or the skills of any other person. I find absolutely delightful and liberating. There are a couple more ideas in this chapter that I'd like to highlight because they they stood out to me and they resonated with me. And one of them was this concept of continuous learning, continually refining or improving or getting better. And Bob makes a point that sadly, most people in many walks and many areas of, of life reach a certain level of proficiency and they sort of then plateau. They don't really make improvements or gains. So one example that Bob gives in his book of this is when it comes to reading skills. And he says that the vast majority of people are still living with the skills, the reading skills that they acquired by grade six or seven, which roughly equates to around ages 12 or 13. So depending on the educational system of the country that you're in, you know, you might have an idea of what that means. Now, think about this, that the vast majority of people learn to read, you know, they acquire skills up until that point. And for probably the next 30, 20, 30, 40 years or more, never look to improve those. In fact, for a lot of people, it never even occurs to them that actually you could improve it. And although Bob uses the example of reading, this is applicable to so many areas of life. If you think about the activities that you do on a day-to-day basis, if you think about the work that you perhaps do, or your business, or your communication, a lot of these things that we do in life, we take for granted. It is very rare. It's it's uncommon that people are constantly thinking about, well, how can I make this just a little bit better? And actually, very often, this is where the razor's edge comes in. That there is improvement to be had. There is modification, a positive modification that can be made. But because this consideration is not even at the forefront of one's mind, most people go through life not realizing that things could get better, that their results could be dramatically improved just by making a relatively small improvement in skill. He writes in the book, once people have become proficient in the basics of any particular field, they usually choose to stop learning. And of course, from that point forward, they cease to improve. As I sit here and I reflect upon this, having read the book on a number of occasions, I increasingly see areas of life where this is so true, where it's occurring to me more and more and more that there is room always to make things better, to improve. That could be if you're a salesperson, it could be the difference between saying to yourself, what if I made one extra sale this week? Now, depending on how much you're selling already, think of what that difference could mean for you. It could be the difference between what if I studied for one extra hour each day? And Bob gives some very eye-opening statistics in his book of what the difference of an hour of study amounts to over time you'd be pleasantly surprised. Go and download a free copy of the book. You really want to read this book and you can get a free copy at bornrich.magnify. That's bornrich.magnify.com But it's the realization that all these things make a difference that we can improve and that we should improve actually, because we have the capacity and the potential to, and that this is one of the gifts that we were born with, you know, that contributes to us being rich creatures. I mentioned that there were a couple more ideas I wanted to share with you. The second one is a particular sentence in the book, and this is on page 163. And Bob says, remember, It is virtually impossible to keep exposing your mind to great ideas without having those ideas expressed in your physical world. And I think this is so key. Because if you think back to what we said in the last chapter that thoughts are things, you start to notice that whatever it is that you're constantly exposing your thinking or your mind to will eventually produce the results in your life and that if you consciously form the habit of choosing the things that you pay attention to, you know, more, more often than you, than you don't, i.e. make a conscious choice about what you would focus on, what you would pay attention to, and expose yourself to the things you've constantly chosen over and over again, it will be expressed in your world. And I think this thing has a two-pronged approach. It really encourages you to, perhaps if you haven't done that before, to pause and think about the things that you've been paying attention to, you know, perhaps passively, either just because you thought, oh, they're nice, or I enjoy them, and to ask yourself, if the results or if the effects of these things that I'm hearing were to appear in my life today, would I be pleased with what I was seeing? And if you aren't, if you know that you wouldn't be, then my encouragement will be to replace what you're paying attention to with something else that is more aligned to what you'd like to see in your life. Because the reality, and, and this is a thing, that this is a law that will work regardless of whether you are aware of it or not, whether you agree with it or not, doesn't matter. It is going to happen. Is that what you constantly pay attention to is exactly what you're inviting into your life. And therefore, is that if there's anything right now that you're paying attention to over and over again, and you paused and asked yourself, if this thing were to show up in my life physically today, if this thoughts or these ideas that I constantly keep entertaining were to stand in front of me right here, right now, would I be pleased with that? If the answer to that is no, then by now you know exactly what you need to do. And on that note, I'd like to say until the next time, this is Asipita at Magnify reminding you, as always, to live your best life.